2: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. It is Monday, August 24th, and here's your quarantine tip of the day. If you're worried about riding in an elevator with other people, here's all you have to do. Just carry a mannequin around with you, yeah. And then if someone tries to get in the elevator with you, you just put your arm around the mannequin and go, sorry, me and my lover need a little privacy. Anyway, tonight, we strap in for night one of the Republican National Convention. We also look at how QAnon is taking over the GOP, and we're gonna be joined by the ever-prolific Tanahisi nehisi Coates. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
0: From Schroeder's couch in New York City to your couch
2: somewhere in the world, The Daily Social Distancing Show presents The Republican National Convention celebrating February's record come. Tonight was the start of the Republican National Convention, a week of speeches, celebration, and white people walking up to Ben Carson saying, wait, aren't you the one that died? And if the DNC was all about the people, well, the RNC seems to be about one person, Donald Juiciness Trump.
3: The stage is set, and now Republicans will have their chance to make their pitch to Americans. And we've learned President Trump is expected to make an appearance every night this week.
1: You can expect a lot of President Trump, as you mentioned, and also a lot of people who have the same last name as him. There's someone with the last name of Trump speaking on every single night of this Republican National Convention, including the president himself, who you mentioned, will appear in some form or fashion in the 10 p.m. hour every single night of the convention. Slated to appear all of the president's children, except for for his youngest son, Baron. There's also a little nugget that a couple of the producers of The Apprentice are actually part of putting this production together as well, so maybe a little bit added TV
2: value. Oh man, this is so exciting. The producers of The Apprentice are working on the RNC? So does this mean Trump's planning on firing people? Cause I mean, he doesn't really have any staff left to fire. His whole team is like Mike Pence, Steve Mnuchin, and then just 30 Jared clones, but hey, Maybe if we're lucky, this week will end with Trump firing one of his kids. I'm sorry, Eric, but you're fired. But dad, I won the challenge. The real challenge is me having to see your face. You're fired. And you know, Trump making a speech every single night may seem unusual in terms of convention traditions, but if you think about it, it makes sense. The Democratic Party had to give everyone a speaking slot because they're trying to appease a bunch of different groups Black people, Latinos, progressives, disaffected Republicans, fans of ABC shows. The Republican Party, on the other hand, they only care about appeasing Trump because it's his party now. And if you don't like it, you can shut the up or join John Kasich in that field. Now, you might remember one of the highlights of the Democratic convention was the roll call of all the delegates who announced their votes from beautiful locations around the country. Well, this morning, the Republicans had their roll call and it was beautiful in a different kind of way.
3: Today, as a proud and independent nutmegger, I proudly cast 28 spicy votes for President Donald J. Trump. We put forth common sense policies to help everyday Rhode Islanders who love coffee, milk, and doughboys, dip their clam cakes in chowder, and yes, We eat a lot of calamari, Rhode Island style.
1: Maryland is home of the Underground Railroad, and two of our greatest uh, 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 abolitionists. I come from the great state of Montana. It's often been called the big sky country, the treasure state, and the last best place. But currently, we are affectionately calling it Trump-tana. We fish, we hunt. We boat and we have at least five guns in every home. Honestly, if you
2: need at least five guns in your home, it's probably because you misplace things a lot. You don't need to buy extra guns. You really just need to buy a notebook to write down where you left your gun and to start journaling, because your ass is crazy. Either way, the RNC roll call was depressing. I mean, the DNC at least had a ninja chef posing on the beautiful beach. You know, the most interesting person here looks like he's getting his mugshot taken after being arrested for sweating too much. And also, why is the camera so close to their faces? Huh? That's how you zoom into a work meeting when you don't want people to know you're still in bed. Yeah, guys, I I looked through the proposal and uh, everything seems good. Now, as you heard, practically every member of Trump's family will be giving a speech this week. But one person who won't be speaking is President Trump's older sister, Mary Ann who's a retired federal judge. In fact, she almost never says anything publicly about her brother at all. But now we're learning what she's been keeping to herself. President Trump's sister, Marianne Trump Barry, blasting her brother in a batch of secret audio recordings first reported in the Washington Post. He has no principles, I'm none, none. The leaked conversations between the president's sister and their niece, Mary Trump, were secretly recorded by Mary, who says she taped 15 hours of their face-to-face talks between 2018 and 2019. The retired federal judge
4: labeling her brother cruel and phony. God me and the lying? Oh my God, I'm talking too really, but you know, it is the change of stories, a lack of preparation, the lying, the holy
2: No, man, come on. Are we living in the 12th season of a soap opera now? When in real life does a sister come out of nowhere to start a feud with the main character? Who is she? Where did she come from? I hate my brother. You know things are bad for Trump when he's having a hard time wrangling the Trump vote. It's gonna be hard to win independence in swing states when you're polling poorly with people you share parents with. And I gotta say, this made me a fan of Trump's sister. Not because she dislikes her brother, but because she's 83 years old and she apparently loves cussing. I just wanna go out to dinner with her. I'll have the f-king soup and hey, If I got wings, would you assholes help me eat the shit out of them? Okay, we'll have some of those wings. Now, as he goes into the convention week, Trump finds himself down big in the polls to Joe Biden, in large part because of his handling of the coronavirus. It has been an absolute disaster. So now, Trump is trying to change that perception with some fresh blood.
1: President Trump has announced an emergency authorization for a coronavirus treatment that his administration hails as a, quote, major advance.
4: President Trump making that dramatic announcement late Sunday that the FDA has authorized the use of convalescent plasma for emergencies. But now some Democrats are demanding answers, asking if the FDA is being pressured by a president locked in a tough reelection battle. The decision for emergency use comes after an internal debate at the FDA over whether the agency had enough data to authorize such a move. It also comes a day after the president, without any evidence, accused the FDA of impeding clinical trials for political reasons. Tweeting Saturday, the deep state, or whoever over at the FDA, is making it very difficult for drug companies to get people in order to test the vaccines and therapeutics. God damn,
2: Trump hasn't bullied nerds this hard since he forced one to take his SATs for him. I mean, we all want a cure for COVID. But new medicines shouldn't be rushed out to the public like their Taco Bell menu items. And I mean, of course Trump has a problem with the FDA. They're the same ones who told him how many calories are in his burgers. If these things are 800 calories a piece, then how come I can eat 10 of them? Still, let's try to be positive here. Even if these treatments aren't proven safe or effective, maybe they'll work and coronavirus will be gone. And then, the only reason we'll need to wear masks is to hide our brand-new mutant faces. All right, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll tell you why QAnon is the future of the Republican Party.
3: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.
4: That's dot gcom today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
2: Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. For the last few weeks, you might've been hearing about something called QAnon, the biggest thing on the internet since that time Kim Kardashian's butt was thirsty. It has been all over the news, social media, and this weekend, QAnon supporters even held demonstrations in cities across America. But what is QAnon? Well, let's find out in another installment of our ongoing segment, If You Don't Know, Now You Know. If you know anything about QAnon, you've probably heard that it's a conspiracy theory. But the truth is, It's more like a political cult built around a conspiracy theory and then crossed with a big book of word search puzzles. And if that sounds complicated, well, wait till you hear what they believe in
4: for believers q is an anonymous government official who posts classified information about a covert battle between the president and a malicious ring of celebrities political elites and the so-called deep state
1: this anonymous poster q was giving secret clues about coming quote great awakening
4: the central theme here is that hillary clinton and many of the world's other politicians and celebrities are members of a murderous child sex ring. Hillary Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, Tom Hanks, and others eat children in order to extract a life-extending chemical from their blood group.
1: They believe that a group of military generals recruited President
5: Trump to break up this conspiracy and end their control of the government and the media. Donald
0: Trump, in the QAnon view, is going to save us from this in a moment called
1: the storm.
4: His tweets are misspelled for a reason. When he does cafeve and the smocking gun, it's all code for what he's telling us.
2: Okay, I want whatever these people are smocking. Because Trump's typos are a secret message? Man, I wish people were this forgiving when I did stupid shit. No, you guys don't get it. When Trevor threw up at that party, he was showing us. It's what's on the inside that counts. But look, this guy's also not wrong. President Trump's tweets are misspelled for a reason. And that reason is he can't read. Now look, if Hillary and Oprah were eating children to live longer, I would be horrified because that is such a waste of magic blood. You feed those kids to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, people, priorities. But there's no way this conspiracy theory is actually true. And look, I believe a lot of crazy shit, okay? I believe the TSA confiscates all our lotion in order to secretly sell it back to us at Walgreens. I believe possums are just dogs without makeup. I believe no one has actually ever broken up with me. They've just all been abducted by aliens. But this conspiracy theory is crazy even for conspiracy theories. I mean, set aside everything else. You're telling me Trump is doing something heroic, but instead of taking credit for it, he's keeping it a secret? That is the most unbelievable thing I have ever heard. Plus. If you're wondering how it's possible that Trump can be leading the fight against the pedophile ring when he was friends with Jeffrey Epstein for years, well, according to Q, Trump has been undercover since the 90s, which I believe. I mean, if there's one thing Trump is known for, it's his famously long attention span. So how did this insane theory take off? Well, partly it latched onto fears about the real phenomenon of human trafficking. Partly, it fed off ancient anti-Semitic tropes about elitists who drink the blood of children, but mostly, it was just the good old internet.
3: QAnon first emerged in the months after President Trump took office, starting on fringe internet message boards before spreading to social media. The pandemic has only made things worse, and so these people are just there all day. Facebook
5: groups have grown exponentially with QAnon.
3: In just four months, membership of the biggest public QAnon groups rose by 700%.
1: We saw a lot of groups who were wellness communities, people who were interested in alternative health. People would, uh, the algorithm would sort these people together with the QAnon people. They would say, oh, alternative health, maybe they're into anti-vax. If they're anti-vax, maybe they're into Donald Trump. And within one or two clicks, people would go down these very bad paths. Yep,
2: that's how the shit always goes on the internet. It feels like at this point, the entire purpose of Facebook is to funnel everyone towards the craziest conspiracy theories possible. Because people will join a group about cycling, and then five hours later, they're like, Hillary Clinton is a mountain goat, people. She's an actual goat. And it's not surprising that the pandemic turned out to create the perfect conditions for people to get radicalized. Some people joined QAnon, some people ordered Pelotons, and neither of them will shut up about it. This also shows you how much the internet is ruining our brains. When Shakespeare was quarantined during the plague, he was like, maybe I should write King Lear. Now people are sitting around during coronavirus going, I wonder if I could prove that Tom Hanks has sex with the devil. Either way, starting from the swampiest parts of the internet, QAnon gradually picked up followers and eventually grew into a major online movement. And it hasn't seemed to matter that many of the things it predicted over the years just never came true.
5: Early on, they were claiming that Robert Mueller was secretly investigating and going to
1: indict the cabal of Democratic leaders, and that President Trump was secretly working with Mueller's team.
4: President Trump has secretly created a police force, by the way, to arrest them and force them to wear ankle bracelets. The belief is that somehow the late JFK Jr. is alive and helping Trump clean up the deep state.
0: Nearly all of these clues, including
4: that Hillary Clinton was arrested, turn out to be wrong. But the batting average doesn't seem to matter. You
2: can pres- present them with evidence. You can demonstrate how the predictions have gone wrong and they don't seem to care. It's just, again and again, that Q is bigger than anything that they can be presented with to the contrary. That's right. It doesn't matter how many of Q's outlandish predictions fail to pan out, it never seems to have an impact on the movement. And that, my friends, is the classic sign of cult behavior. Once you're invested enough in something, you will make any excuse for its failures. So please, Don't be looking for logic here. That's not how cults work, okay? Cults don't follow logic. They follow whatever the cult tells them. That's why you always see cult leaders go so quickly from the sacred aliens have chosen us to weird news, guys. The sacred aliens told me I should bang all of your wives. (laughs) I guess it must be for our redemption or something to go somewhere. I I pick her. So thanks to this religious fervor, QAnon took over the internet. And it would have been fairly harmless if it had just stayed on the internet, you know? Like Momo. <laughs> that thing was a joke. It was... That was weird. But the scary thing about QAnon is what happened when it jumped from the screen to the streets. This is not just a bunch of
4: online crazy talk. It's dangerous in real life.
1: The FBI says QAnon and their many conspiracy theories are a potential domestic terrorism threat. The North Carolina man who shot up this DC pizza restaurant looking for non-existent pedophiles believed in similar theories. On more than one occasion, people believed to be followers of QAnon have shown up, sometimes with weapons, in places that the character told them were somehow connected to anti-Trump conspiracies. In June, a man armed with a rifle and a handgun drove an armored vehicle to the Hoover Dam on what he said was a mission from QAnon. QAnon followers have allegedly been involved in a foiled presidential assassination plot.
2: The devastating California wildfire and an armed standoff with local law enforcement officers in Arizona.
4: In July, a 24 year old man was charged in the shooting death of a reputed mob boss. His attorneys argued he was motivated by QAnon. Written on his hand in the courtroom were QAnon symbols. You cannot be serious. Can you
2: imagine being a mob boss and you get whacked by a kid from a message board? Not a rival, just some random kid. You'd almost want them to lie in your obituary and say you were a snitch. But this is insane. QAnon people are out in the world doing real things, shootings, hijackings, kidnappings. Of all the bad advice I've gotten on the internet, nothing ever came close to making me murder a mob boss. The worst advice I ever got was to use toothpaste to get rid of pimples. But I ate the entire tube of toothpaste and all I got was a tummy ache. Pimples didn't go anywhere. And even with sporadic real-world violence, it might be tempting to dismiss QAnon as just another lunatic fringe, but it's actually becoming pretty close to mainstream. In fact, there are roughly 50 Q supporters who ran for office in the Republican party this year. And it's almost certain that one of them is actually going to be in Congress next year. Although maybe that's a good thing. Nothing will prevent them from getting anything done better than being in Congress. Congress the only people with a lower approval rating than QAnon. And then, of course, there's President Trump. He's the big hero in all these QAnon stories, so he could just shut this down quickly by saying, guys, none of this is true. Q isn't a real person. And besides, if there was a sex group with all the most important people in the world, you know I'd try to be in it. Yeah, that's what he could do. But instead, he has come out and declared that QAnon are some very fine people.
4: At President Trump's rally in Tampa, the image was hard to miss, the letter Q on signs and t-shirts. We are finally putting
0: America first. The Trump campaign even included QAnon signs in an ad. President Trump has
4: used his own social media accounts to promote QAnon followers and content nearly 200 times. President Trump praising supporters of the bizarre QAnon conspiracy theory. He told reporters he heard that QAnon followers are people who love the country and him.
1: Well, I don't know much about the movement other than i understand they like me very much uh which i appreciate but i don't know much about the movement Uh, i have heard that it is gaining in popularity and these are people that love our country and they just don't like seeing it Well,
3: at the cross of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals
1: if i can help save the world from problems um Willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there.
3: Yeah, you
2: see, it doesn't matter that QAnon is a dangerous cult and all of their beliefs are complete fiction. President Trump is on board. Trump's approach to QAnon is basically the same as that Backstreet Boys song. He doesn't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love him. And honestly, people, nobody should be surprised that Donald Trump is embracing QAnon. Donald Trump was always going to embrace QAnon. The surprise is that he's president. So that's QAnon in a nutshell. It's a violent delusion that spread from the internet to prey on vulnerable people and infect an entire political party. Or maybe I'm just saying that to throw you off the real story. And if you don't know, now you know. Don't go away, cause when we come back, we'll be talking to a Republican. Yeah, that's right. A real life Republican who doesn't like Trump. Stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So today I spoke with former Republican strategist, Stuart Stevens. We talked about his work with the Lincoln Project and his latest book, It Was All A Lie, How the Republican Party Became Donald Trump. Check it out. Stuart Stevens, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing
1: Show. Thanks, it's great to be here, thank you.
2: Um, You are part of the Lincoln Project, which is a group of Republican never Trumpers who have gained a lot of notoriety online for putting out slick memes and anti-Trump, you know, pictures or or gifs or whatever it may be that have really targeted the president from a Republican point of view. Tell me what that means from your perspective, because I mean, for some people, they might think that's a paradox. How can you be a Republican who is never Trump?
1: It's a group of us who worked in a lot of Republican campaigns. and we really feel that Donald Trump is a, not only a threat to the Republican Party, it's a threat to the country and democracy itself. Um, he represents everything that we thought we were working against. Uh, we thought we had joined up a party where character counts, personal responsibility mattered, uh, strong on Russia, the debt was important, uh, free trade. Donald Trump was against all those things. So we kind of had three choices. We'd be for Trump, well, that wasn't going to happen, or we'd sit it out, which sort of sucked or use the skills that we have to try to beat Trump. So we're going with uh, door number three and trying to beat him.
2: To say that you have helped many Republicans get into office, but then turn around and say that you're against Donald Trump might be confusing because people would say that, well, Donald Trump is the natural evolution of the Republicans that we've seen come into office. Right. Um, the party has uh, aligned around him, everyone from Marco Rubio to Mitch McConnell. So the question then is, Is Donald Trump not just a crass version of what the Republicans wanted, but a Republican nonetheless?
1: Well, look, you know, I asked that question. It led me to write this book. It was all a lie. Um, I think you're right. It is what the Republican Party wants. I think the Republican Party became Donald Trump. I don't think that Donald Trump is an aberration, a a black swan who hijacked the party. I, I, in this book, I try to trace the history of the party, and I think there's always been two, two elements. You go back to the 50s, there was Joe McCarthy and Dwight Eisenhower, kind of a crazy wing and a governing wing. Um, and I think that's continued. I was involved in uh, Governor Bush's campaign in 99 then President Bush, and we tried to create a new model of compassionate conservatism, as he called it. Um, and we thought we were the dominant gene of the party, that it was inevitable that the direction we wanted the party to go into would triumph. I think now we have to conclude, I have to conclude anyway, personally, that uh, that was wrong. We were the recessive gene. And that darker side of the party really was the heart and soul of the party, at least as it's constructed now. When you, when you
2: release a book with the title, it was all a lie. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic title in my opinion because it, it's, it speaks to so many truths. The question I have for you though is, were you fooled by the lie or because you were helping these politicians get into power, you, were you part of the lie?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and the answer is both. Um, and I've, I've tried to be as honest as I can. And this is a book that isn't blame them. Um, I mean, I, I start out by saying blame me. I, I can't in good faith say I believe in personal responsibility and was drawn to the party because of that without taking personal responsibility. Um, I was part of this. I, I think that I felt that we were building towards something that was greater and better and bigger than ourselves. Um, I think I looked too much the other way when we saw this dark side. Um, but the, the essence of it, uh, that we now have embraced the Republican Party as a white nationalist party, I never in my wildest dreams, perhaps naively, uh, thought that was possible. So what do you actually hope to achieve seeing
2: how Trump has just completely owned and controlled this political party?
1: Which we see more every day. Um, I think that uh, it's important to just go out there and fight, Trevor. And the end result of that fight is never clear um, in any of these battles. You have to uh, believe in what you're doing at that moment. And look, one of the things that shouldn't be overlooked here is while Donald Trump says he has 95 percent popularity in the party, that's probably an exaggeration, but it's 89 or or 88 percent probably. But the party's getting smaller. So as he he keeps that intensity, because a lot of people who are independents, who were self-identifying as Republicans, no longer identify as Republicans. So he has shrunk the party. Since 1964, Republicans have not attracted African-Americans in any number, which is a huge, huge failure of the party. But we admitted it was a failure, and we tried to aspire to something better. Now Trump is just comfortable with this. So the party is getting smaller, um, and there's really not a future for that party uh, in a changing America as it is now. Where do you go back to?
2: Is it, is it about defeating Donald Trump and then going back to the Republican Party and then continuing many of the policies that have helped create Donald Trump? Or is there another way? Because that's, that's the one thing that I'm left with, is what do you go to and where do many of your fellow never-Trumpers go back to if, in many ways, the poison is still within the party, even if Trump is not in, in, uh, in the White House?
1: Well, we're going to fight Trumpism uh, in all its forms, uh, which I think is really fighting for American democracy. I think there's, there's really three parties in America now. There's a Republican Party, which is basically a party that says no to everything. And then there's two parties inside the Democratic Party. Call it an AOC, Sanders wing and a Biden wing. And the future of America is going to be decided within that debate. I mean, take national health insurance. In 20 years, will America be the only country that doesn't have national health insurance or Western democracy? Of course we're not. But what's that going to be is going to be decided in the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party. So I want to be part of what's going to matter. And I think the Republican Party, as it has in California, where it's now in third place, is going to become increasingly irrelevant in the national debate about the future of the country.
2: You have written a book that people are talking about. So, uh... Congratulations on that, and thank you so much for joining us on the show.
1: Thank you, Charlie. Enjoyed it.
2: Thank you again for joining us, Stuart. All right, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll be talking to the Ta-Nehisi Coates and Vanity Fair's editor-in-chief, Radhika Jones. So stick around.
3: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
2: Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I spoke with Radhika Jones, the editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair, and Tanahisi Coates, who guest edited a special September issue with Brianna Taylor on the cover. We talked about that and more. Radhika Jones, Tanahisi Coates, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you, Trevor. Let us talk about something that is making news everywhere online, and I know you've sent me a special copy of it. It is Vanity Fair. Wow, I and don't even have that. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it. anybody has it. He You've got to be somebody he to get it. this. You've got to be somebody to get this. But um, thank you very much. I literally just got my hands on this copy now, and you sent it to us. But what makes this cover so powerful is that that's Brianna Taylor on the cover of Vanity Fair. Um, we also know that Tanese Coates is part of this. Let's start on your side, Radika. You've released a cover and, a, and an issue that's really going to be making some news. What is the purpose of this issue? Because I want to read this, this part to you here, and, and, it's, and it's really powerful, where you talk about uh, the great fire. What is it all about?
5: Yeah, I, I became editor of Vanity Fair about two and a half years ago, and I, and I you know, in, in a way, it's a, it's a magazine that's about aspiration. It's about power and personality, and I think that aspiration can be inclusive. It should be inclusive. So for this issue, you know, um, 2020 is, has been a year of historic import. Um, it was that in March when the pandemic reached um, American shores, and it it became it again in late May when George Floyd was murdered in broad daylight and demonstrations and protests began. and um, And they weren't just happening in Minneapolis, they were happening around the world. And so we felt we wanted to capture the spirit of um, of these months that have, that have revealed, you know, real problems in the American system. Um, if you didn't believe in systemic racism before now, if you didn't believe that our healthcare needed reforming, um, you, if you look around now, you, you probably do believe it. And, and we wanted to um, draw on the most vibrant collection of artists and, and writers that we could to kind of shed light on this extended moment. So that was the that was the plan. And who better to help us do that than Tanahasi Coates, who was the person I most wanted to hear from uh, at this time.
2: Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, everybody wants to hear from you. To come on board for a project like this is is no small undertaking because you know that everybody is waiting to see what you're going to write, how you're going to write it, how you're going to tell a story that we already know in a way that we don't know. And what you've done is really interesting, In this issue is you've talked about the life of Brianna Taylor and what has happened to her through a lens that many of us haven't seen it through before. Talk us through, firstly, why you came on board, and secondly, what you hope to have achieved by telling the story the way you have.
0: First of all, um, you, as you just, what you just articulated, like that—that that is the problem. I mean, it may sound somewhat ghoulish to say this, but that—that that is the actual creative problem, in the sense of how do you tell somebody a story that they already know uh, in, in in some sort of different way? And a, I think, you know, what what, what it allowed what me to what it allowed me to do in partnership with Radika was assemble all of these artists and writers, um, and so to bring all of these sort of different perspectives. You know, on, on to the issue. So that guaranteed that we got you know something, uh, a, a little different. Um, and then, you know, I just fell back on my old journalism bones, which is you know, um, don't sit on your, your your butt and try to you know come up with something. Right. Go go see right. something. You know. So I went down to Louisville and spent a few days down there. And I, while I was there, I had the you know the the, the distinct honor of interviewing uh, Tamika Palmer, Brianna's mother. And the first part of the story, where she talks about. Uh, uh, Finding out what happened to Brianna and how agonizing it was, um, she told me that story in the first interview, and I thought at that moment there really is nothing that I am going to say that is going to be more eloquent, that is going to be more expressive, that is going to be more illuminating or enlightening um, than the mother of this woman who just got killed. And really, what I need to do is find some way to hand her the mic, and you know what I mean, be a, be more of a vessel to let her talk than thinking that somehow I'm going to have some sort of
2: interpretive analysis. You know, it's gonna be superior to that. There's something to be said about how much black art you've showcased in the magazine as well, you know? I don't want people to look at this magazine and think that this is, only a story of pain in a, in a strange way and in a paradoxical way. It's also a story of triumph. It's a story of, of beauty. It's a story of, um, of a journey. It does take you through the complex paradigm of blackness. Why was that important?
0: I mean, I, I think um, we wanted a whole product. My favorite part um, in terms of what I was directly involved in is listening to Rihanna Taylor's mother, uh, Tamika, Talk about how she ended up in a motorcycle club and how she then went and taught her daughter how to ride, you know, motorcycles. Because if you just say, focus on what the police did or what happened to this person, you actually become a participant in the dehumanization. Um, It is very, very, very important that people be reminded that there was an actual life that was taken. Um, didn't kick in Breonna Taylor's door and shoot a slogan. They didn't shoot a piece of legislation. Um, they shot a human being, you know, with a mother and a little sister and, a, you know, a man that she, you know, had been with for, for some time, you know, with, with relations in the community. They shot a person. And so if you're going to have actual people, you know, you, you really do need that, that, that range. You know what I mean? And so that was within that piece, but I think across the magazine, um, it was very, very effective.
5: We asked Ava um, DuVernay, the great director, to interview Dr. Angela Davis for the issue. Dr. Davis has something that really has stuck with me. She says that art is the thing that makes you feel what you might not yet fully understand. And we thought in that, in that vein, when we thought about photographing actors alongside activists and directors like Ava, um, and writers like Isabel Wilkerson and, and Colson Whitehead, you know, people who have been moving the needle on the culture for a long time, and, and their work is so important, and it does lay the ground for change. And so we wanted, you know, that is something to celebrate, to answer your question. And, and we didn't want to overlook that um, in, in putting the whole issue together.
2: What do you hope people take away from this issue?
5: Well, first of all, I hope they will keep it and, and sit with it because it's, it's not this month and gone. Um, as you said, Trevor, these stories aren't going away. And we created it that way so that, so that it could feel like a keepsake. I want people to feel provoked by some of the arguments in this issue. I want them to feel challenged. Um, I want them to, to feel like maybe it's time to reexamine some old positions or some old prejudices and, and think about them and consider them. Um, and because that's what we've been doing. And that, that really is, I think, the, the goal of all of this writing and all of this art is to make people think.
2: Radhika Tanahisi, thank you so much for joining me on the show again. And congratulations on creating what, as you said, I hope is a keepsake for many people uh, for a long time to come. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you guys, thank you all.
2: Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, there are less than three months until the election. And America is facing a nationwide poll worker shortage. And it's because most poll workers are over 60 and coronavirus is still in the air. So they're not showing up because they can't. But fewer poll workers means fewer polling stations are open. And it also means longer lines that not everyone can afford to wait in, especially in poorer communities. The good news is most poll working is paid And in some states, you can be as young as 16 to do it. So please, if you're interested and you have the time, this is your chance to save your granny, protect democracy, and get paid too. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, check your microphones before you roast Trump. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah,
0: ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.
3: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.